Kings, this is Sharana Reeves, and you are listening to These Three Things Podcast, a podcast for women, where the conversation is about us, our relationships, and every area of our lives. This show is about unity, support, kindness, and keeping it 100% real. So we can rise up, move, we've got the victory, burn us Hey, queens, kings, and good people. I am Sharana Reeves, and you are listening to season three of These Three Things Podcast. Thanks for joining me for a new episode this week. I appreciate the feedback that you guys gave me from last week's episode, People I Like and Why. You guys shared with me that you too have been listening to Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart, and you loved it as well. And you also heard the growth in Kevin as you're listening to this podcast as well too. So that was pretty cool to hear from a few of you that have been already listening to that show. I am a fan. I love what I'm hearing in it. A few of you knew about my girl Demetria L. Lucas. I don't know her personally but she as Wendy Williams says she's a friend in my head. Podcast listeners tend to eventually scroll through uh and find certain podcasts that just hit and resonate. And Ratchet and Respectable is one of those podcasts that resonate with women. There were a couple of people that I left off of people I like. One of the people that did not make the list, she was on the list, but she was toward the end and did not make it to the episode. And obviously, you know, if you've been listening to these three things podcasts, I come from the women's basketball world and I couldn't have spent 20 years in the game and not have somebody that I like from just the world of women's basketball. And this particular coach, she was the head coach at Notre Dame pretty much my entire career as a coach. That's the only person that I ever remembered being the head coach uh, at Notre Dame over my 20 year span in college women's basketball. And her name is Muffet McGraw. Muffet is a white lady. Those of you who are familiar with women's basketball, you will know Muffet because she is a powerhouse. This sister has won multiple national championships. She is just a great coach. She knows basketball. She knows the game. And she has done an amazing job of coaching women of all colors and producing a lot of WNBA talent, Uh, women who have gone on to become attorneys and, you know, high major quality student athlete, women student athletes. And I could say a lot of things about her accolades as a coach. But one of the reasons why I really, really have always liked Muffet McGraw is because of what I've seen over my 20 year span and her ability to promote her black assistant female coaches. In all of the years that I spent in women's basketball, I can count on one hand how many white women I have seen promote their black assistants consistently. And I'm talking black assistants who have helped these people be extremely successful. Head coaches who could not have achieved the success that they had without the assistant coaches that they've had. And many of those sisters still have never gotten a sniff at a big time major women's basketball coaching job. But 
in Muffet, I've always seen that different in her. She's always promoted her minority assistant coaches. She's always helped them get jobs, uh, head coaching jobs. And I've even seen cases where she has helped an assistant coach get a head coaching job. That assistant has gone out into the world, coached as a head coach. The situation didn't work out or the contract ended and then bring those assistants back to Notre Dame. I will tell you, for many of you who don't know the inner workings of women's basketball, rarely does that happen. A lot of times when women, especially minority women, leave before their head coach is ready for them to leave, relationships are completely ruined. And that is with men assistant coaches, minority assistant coaches, and women minority assistant coaches. These head coaches will sometimes ruin reputations of assistant minority assistant coaches because they left their program before they were ready and I just never saw that in her I don't know Muffet on a super deep level uh the only times I've ever really talked to her were just times when I'd see her in gyms during the summer we'd end up sitting beside each other maybe in some cases we were recruiting the same kid or she was recruiting a kid off of another team and we would just make conversation and I always found her to be extremely dope and unbothered she just seemed like a person who was just genuine there was no filter to her there was no pomp and circumstance to her she just knew who she was what she was about and what she stood for she was she never seemed intimidated by anyone she always had just a smooth confidence about her and an assurance about her that she knew this shit called women's basketball and she was here for women and the promotion of women regardless of their color or complexion uh last year maybe two years ago now she retired from Notre Dame. Her former assistant, Neil Ivy. Neil was on the first national championship team for Notre Dame women's basketball. Neil is a black woman. Neil is now the head coach of Notre Dame women's basketball because Muffet, when she stepped down, did her part to make sure that Neil became the women's head basketball coach at Notre Dame. And I just think that's so dope to go back and get people who have helped you be successful, who have been loyal to you and worked hard for you and acknowledging the acknowledging their goals and their dreams that they too want to have an opportunity to coach at that level and helping them achieve that. A lot of people will say, well, maybe they weren't qualified for it, but you'd have to think if a program is successful and constantly recruiting top classes in the country and they're playing for national championships and making it deep into NCAA tournaments and you see that same assistant coaching staff sitting on the bench year after year after year, trust and believe that coach ain't doing it by themselves. And if you've kept those coaches for all of those years, at some point, at some point, you got to look at them and say, you know what, it's time for me to help them have this moment too. And you just don't see it a lot. As I said, in 20 years, the only person I've seen do it on a consistent basis is Muffet McGraw. And that is why she was on my list of people that I like. I've always appreciated that when Eric Garner was murdered in New York, I loved how she allowed her players to wear I can't breathe shirts. Those of you who are not into women's basketball or into sports in general, you have no idea how huge that was because so many times in the sports world, we try to corral the black athletes and basically treat like what's happening in their culture and their community as non-existent. I think George Floyd actually forced 
the athletic world to now have to begin to speak up and start acknowledging the fact that your black athletes are going through things. Your black athletes are traumatized. Your black athletes are hurt. That could be, that could have been their uncle, their brother, their dad. And so she got it before it was cool for everybody else to jump on the bandwagon and get it. And maybe other people were jumping on the bandwagon privately, but publicly Muffin McGraw's team always stood up and represented that which was right. She stood up for women's rights. She wanted for things to be equal. She wasn't afraid to speak her piece on it. And you just got to respect that because in my experience, and this is not all white women, but in my experience, too few white women ever really look at a man, at a minority woman as their equal or someone that can stand in their shoes and do their job. Muffet did that and did it on a consistent basis. I needed to give Muffet her shout out. I've always thought she was dope. So there it is. Muffet McGraw, trailblazer, coach her ass off, promoted minority assistance. That is why she's on the list of people I like. The next person that I wanted to give a shout out to that I didn't that was on the list of people that I, I like as well was Joel Osteen. A lot of people think that Joel Osteen, as far as a preacher or a pastor, is just a baby food pastor. He just is preaching hope and encouragement. You know, if you have satellite radio in your car or serious radio, I think Joel's channel is 128 because I have it in my car. And I will just tell you those little 30 minute messages of encouragement and hope from from Joel they mean something to me like there's I get there's levels to the knowledge and your understanding of of the Bible understand and your understanding of the word of God and different people need different things. And I have heard criticisms of Joel Osteen because a lot of people say that he just doesn't really say much. I mean, he's not really feeding you a lot of the word of God and he's not doing this and he's not doing that. And you know how we like to get out here and critique everybody and everything. But in today when there's so much to see that is negative and there's so much that's been exposed that has just been systemically toxic that has caused a lot of the the downfall that we see in the United States of America when I'm in my car and I'm riding and Joel Osteen is on that 30 minutes that he's talking and giving hope and encouragement it just brightens up my day it gives me a better outlook on what's happening in the world. It gives me hope to believe that things will get better for our country, that uh, race relationships will improve. And finally, we will overcome as minorities with all of the foolishness and the systemic oppression that has held black people down for so long in the United States of America. I listen to him and I get out of my car and I just can take a deep breath. And I'm like, you know, God is in control. God has everything in the palm of his hand. There's no need for me to be concerned or worry about it because I my worry is not going to change anything. So God, I trust you. Some days you just need a reminder. Some days when you're looking out here in the world and you see some of the things that we're witnessing, it's nice to just have a feeling in a moment where you are reminded and you you know that you know that God is in control. So his ability to spread hope and encouragement on a daily basis is why Joel Osteen was on the list of people I like. So those are two people that, that did not make the episode, but were definitely on my list of people I like. Let's get into this week's episode on, so you want to start a podcast. I get the question all the time. Everybody wants to know, 
What do you have to do to start a podcast? How do you make money off podcasting? (laughs) That's a big question. That may be the second question that I get. So I felt like, okay, already people, let me just do an episode. So the next time that someone asks me, I can refer you to this episode. So before we jump into the episode, let me start by saying this. I am not an expert in podcasting. This episode is not intended to position me as an expert in podcasting. I learn something new with each episode, as I'm sure many of us who are out here podcasting do as well. And so will you if you decide to jump into this arena. I'm going to share with you my experience, my process, what I learned and some places that you can go and educate and do your own research as well before you jump into podcasting. There's basic ways to do it and there's advanced ways to do it. And I will give you a little bit of that as well, too. If you have additional questions once you listen to this episode, and I mean legitimate questions, please don't hesitate to email me these three things podcast at gmail.com. I'll be glad to answer your questions. Podcasting is a lot of work. I do everything on my show. Trust me, it's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun, too. And if you have something to say, By all means, sis, jump in it, do it. You'll enjoy it and you'll learn so much from doing it. So let's get into this week's episode. So you want to start a podcast. Enjoy. For almost a century, Scarrett Bennett Center's historic Gothic campus has been a choice location for dream weddings in Nashville. Consistently rated one of Music City's best places to get married by The Knot, Wedding Wire, and Toast of Nashville, Scarrett Bennett Center offers three timeless venues for your wedding, a 20-person elopement chapel, a 300-person wedding chapel, and a breathtaking garden. From rehearsal to reception, Scarrett Bennett Center is ready to help you create the intimate, historic wedding of your dreams. Visit our website at scarrettbennett.org forward slash weddings for more information. Queens, kings, good people. It's your girl, Sharana Reeves. And we are talking about, so you want to start a podcast. I have a lot of people approach me about how do you start a podcast? What type of equipment will I need? Is it expensive to get the equipment? Always the big question, how do I make money in podcasting? Or how do you make money in podcasting? Uh, Everyone always wants to know that question. So my goal is to try to answer as many questions as I can remember being asked, but also to tell you my journey and give you some feedback on places you can go and research and kind of understand the podcasting world, uh, different places to upload your podcast on, which is called an RSS feed. I will not get too technical because there are links on YouTube that you guys will be able to go to and just kind of learn what an RSS feed is and how uh, that helps you get your podcast uploaded so that you guys can listen to it like you're listening to this one. So the first thing that I want to address is why do you want a podcast? That's the first question that you should ask yourself. Why do you want to have a podcast? Here are two main reasons that I think you should do a podcast if you fit into one of these two categories. Uh, You have something to say. You have something to say to a group of people. You have information, knowledge, wisdom, experience. 
that you feel is share worthy and people should hear it. Whatever that information may be, you may have gone to medical school and you're a doctor now and you want to talk about what you're experiencing in the medical world. You may be a nurse and you have been on the front lines of COVID and you want to really talk about what's happening out here in the uh, in the in hospitals today's in nursing homes or you may have been a former golfer and have had great success and you want to talk about those experiences and introduce your audience to people that you know are great golfers there's a million and one reasons uh, why you may have something to say and trust and believe if you have an expertise in something or experience in something and you want to share it there will be people who are interested in listening to that as well. So if you have something to say, that's a great reason to start a podcast. The second thing uh, that I would say is a great reason to start a podcast is you have a passion that you think others can appreciate and want to follow. For example, couponing. Now, there may be couponing uh, podcasts out here, but I, I have never really looked them up. But just off the top of my dome right now, I'm thinking couponing would be a great podcast to have because so many of us see other people couponing and have a whole buggy full of stuff in Walmart and we'll pay $2 for this buggy of stuff because they know how to use their coupons and stack them and get the most bang for their buck. And they have all of these necessities stored up toilet tissue, paper towels, toothpaste, soap, laundry detergent, all of these things, certain types of foods, all stored up because they understand the whole world of couponing. Well, if you're that type of person and you have an ex expertise in that and you have a skill at understanding how the couponing game works, how to build your coupons, where you should get your coupons from, and all things in the world of couponing, which I have no idea about, so I'm hoping that I'm even saying it correctly, there are people who are probably interested in listening to what you have to say. I understand that there's even couponing when it comes to vacations and family travel and personal travel and things like that, if you have an expertise in that, that's a great reason to start a podcast. People want to know about that. People want to hear about that, especially those of us who on the perimeter think, oh, I really should start couponing and saving money and, you know, stacking up on some of this stuff instead of going in the store and paying full price for these things. My why was black women. I wanted to have a conversation with black women about my experiences with us. I wanted to challenge us as black women to get in better relationships with each other and see each other differently because of all the things that we face out here in the world. I feel like that a lot of the things that we grew up historically through slavery and systemic racism and colorism and things like that have really divided us as black women. So sometimes we're already sizing people up and have decided who they are before we even get to know their story. And that's always kind of aggravated me. And so out of that aggravation, I wanted to have conversations with black women. I wanted to challenge us and I wanted to talk with us and I wanted to learn from us uh, why we move with each other like we do. And so that was my why. And that was the reason why I started a podcast. And from that, once I knew podcasting was the platform that I wanted to use, I instantly went into research mode. So let's just go back a year ago, February 2020, right before we all went into quarantine in March for COVID. Okay, so February was when I decided that I wanted to start podcasting. I had quit my job and been, you know, staying at home. And again, 
if you want to understand the whole landscape of how this podcast began, I suggest that you go back and listen to the very first episode of these three things podcast, the introduction episode, because I share from start to finish how this podcast began, how I came up with the name of the podcast, my background and coaching, yakety smackety. I share it all. Okay. I don't want to do that in this episode because I want to stick to the episode itself and talk about how you start a podcast. So once I decided that I wanted to use podcasting as a platform to speak to other black women, shortly after that, we got quarantined and sent home. So the whole world was at home, which was actually a great time for me to get on my laptop and really just start learning everything about the podcasting world. And when I tell you I watched video after video after video after video, I did anything that I could just type into the search window on YouTube. I typed it in and then watched videos that came up that pertain to what I thought that I wanted to do as far as the podcasting world was concerned. And so I will tell you right now, YouTube, when you want to research podcasting and understanding the world of podcasting, YouTube is a great resource. I would suggest you type in how to start a podcast. A million videos are going to come up about it. Scroll through, find some that you feel may be interesting to you and just watch, listen and learn. Take notes. I took tons of notes. Now me, how I move. And if you know me, you know this to be true. I'm always a little extra. I'm always going to do something extra. So I went and hired a branding and marketing team because I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I want to do this. Like I want to do this thing. And so I hired a branding and marketing team and I met with the CEO of this marketing company. Her name is Bernice Lohman. And she and I went to a Panera. Like this was early stages uh, COVID. So COVID hadn't really just blown up worldwide. Like we were in quarantine, but people were still kind of moving around and, you know, wearing masks here or there. We were still kind of at that stage where people weren't really sure like if this was for real or what. So she and I met at a Panera. We sat outside. I talked with her about my background, the podcast that I wanted to do. She shared information with me. We talked about equipment that I would need. And at the time, she was just going to produce my show for me because while I have a degree in communications and I understand production, it had been years since I'd used it because I'd spent the last 20 years coaching women's basketball. So I was like, well, it'll be good for her to just, you know, at least get me started, get my feet back wet and I'll have her produce the show. I also thought when I first started my podcast that I wanted a co-host. I had actually been reaching out to a lady here uh, in Savannah that I really wanted to podcast my show with me. I, I had created a whole PowerPoint on the show, what the point of the show was about, the three takeaways of the show. I had the name of the show. I had listed her as a co-host because I thought it would be great to have someone else to bounce ideas off of. And after three or four attempts to meet with this person, she kept canceling. She kept canceling. She didn't respond. And I kind of like went into the tank about it. I'm like, well, I just think that she and I would be really good because she's like kind of no nonsense, but soft. And I'm kind of no nonsense with, you know, a little edginess to me. I thought we'd make a good balance of each other. And in my mind, this is how I had it planned. But 
as I was going through the process and I never could connect with this sister to really even talk to her about the idea, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, hey, I gave that idea to you. I didn't give it to her. So stop being frustrated that she's not contacting you back and move forward. Once I got that message, I didn't look back. I didn't even think about having a co-host again. That is something that you may want to consider when you are starting a podcast. You may want to consider, do I want to do this solo or would I like to have a co-host? I think co-hosts are great if you can find someone who's willing to work with you. I think anytime you're doing a co-host situation, it's got to be team play. Um, Even if you're the person who started the podcast and you're bringing the person in as a co-host, that co-host needs to understand that you are the owner of the show, that you are uh, the developer and the creator of the show and they need to understand how they fit within the show and how that will work and the dynamics will work between the both of you so that is definitely something uh, to consider something else that you'll need to consider as you're doing your research and you're watching videos on just the podcasting world once you make the decision that I'm going to move forward as a solo host whichever one of those you decide now you have to decide what is the structure of your show do I want to do interviews do I always just want to have guests on my show and I interview guests about a certain topic or a certain expertise that they carry or a certain a certain skill set that I want for my audience to learn from this guest. Those are things that will be probably next in line that you'll want to consider. Some people want to just do interview only shows. They want to talk about a few things and have an intro in the beginning. And then they just want to do interviews. Season one and two of these three things podcast. I primarily did interviews. I had a few episodes where it was just me, but for the better part of those seasons, I just did interviews. I think that you have to leave room for the podcast to tell you which direction you want to go from season to season. In season three, I felt more led to do more individual podcasts like what I'm doing now. Everything doesn't have to be an absolute when you're starting a podcast. You really can just let it lead you into whichever direction you feel from season to season that you want to go. Now let's talk about seasons. Someone asked me, when did I start the podcast? And I told them I started the podcast July of 2020. And that person said, well, how are you at season three already? Your seasons can be whatever you want them to be. I'm in season three because my seasons are based off of the number of episodes that I choose to do per season. So when I've completed that number of episodes, it ends that season. I started with a small number of episodes in season one because I was new to the podcasting platform. I didn't want to overcommit myself to a large number of episodes and overwhelm myself with interviews and traveling and meeting with people in the middle of COVID. So I kept it relatively short. I wanted to see what the feedback was that I would get and was completely blown away, honestly, that so many people were listening to these three things podcast. And I really felt so grateful and thankful to God because I stepped out on this platform, not really knowing much about it. I would say you at least need to get over eight episodes a season. Eight is a solid number. Eight to 10 is a solid first season number. So once you decide how many episodes you want to do in the season, now you have to decide how often will you release those episodes. Most people release episodes weekly. There are some podcasts who release twice a week. There's some podcasts that release three times a week. 
It just depends on how much you want to talk about what it is that you have to say or what your passion is. For me, I do episodes once a week. For those who release shows three times a week, I always give them mad love because it's like, God bless you for all the editing. Once a week is enough for me. Thank you. Once you do your research and you understand the dynamics of podcasting and get some tips and tools on how to begin your podcast and what to do. And then once you decide if you want to solo host or co-host your show and you've made the decision about that, then you decide the style of show that you want to do. Is it going to be an interview style or is it going to be you just talking about different topics that you want for your audience to know or listen to or you and your co-host talk about uh, different things and kind of banter between each other. Once you've made those decisions, then you kind of may want to think about in your entry season, okay, well, how many episodes would we want to do in, a, in our first season? And then make that decision. Some people never stop too. Let me just say that. Some people never stop releasing episodes. Like they don't have seasons. They just go, they're on episode 176 and they've been releasing podcast episodes forever. You know, for years, they do it every week. There is no pause. For me, I need a break. I need a break because I do everything for my show. After 13 weeks of that, you kind of need a break to replenish, to kind of let your show speak to you, let your guests speak to you about what they're loving about the show, what they want to hear more of about the show, and which direction your show may need to go as you're entering into another season. At least that's the way I think about it. That's the way I've kind of approached it and it's worked for me. As you're researching and looking at YouTube videos, something different may work for you. Hey, this is Sharon Reeves. You're listening to These Three Things. I'll be right back. If you like what you've been hearing today, I encourage you to go to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave a review and tell me what you loved about this episode. The third thing that you're going to want to do is start to get your equipment. Equipment can be... A laptop, a quality microphone, and a good editing system is all you need. Let me just say this. If you have a MacBook, which many of us do, you already have an editing system on your MacBook and GarageBand. You can go in YouTube, how to edit a podcast through GarageBand, and YouTube will break it down to you word for word how to edit your show on GarageBand. So at the base level of equipment that you need starting out, if you have a MacBook laptop, purchase yourself a good microphone, use the GarageBand app that's already on your MacBook, and you can start a podcast just that simple. It does not require a lot of initial investment to be able to start a podcast. I will tell you that the biggest thing that you will need initially is a quality microphone because sound is everything on a podcast. You know how a couple of weeks ago you guys raked me over the coals because the sound was bad on the Victoria Edie Butler episode 2021 Master Blender of the Year. And even though I told y'all that, hey, after we got to talking and realized we was going to do this thing face to face, we didn't really care about the sound. And to be honest, I completely forgot about what it was sounding like. Y'all still didn't care. You wanted your sound to be right. And that's fair. Anytime that you're going to take time to listen to something, you want good sound quality. Sound is everything on a podcast. You want it to be clear and concise communication. You want for people to be able to hear you. They can turn you up. They can turn you down if they need to. But at the end of the day, you need great sound quality. 
a quality microphone is worth the investment initially. If you don't have a lot of money to spend, but you have a great podcasting idea, you want to get it off the ground and you want to get it out there, a MacBook, a quality microphone, and use the GarageBand editing system on your MacBook, you're good to go. You can start a podcast. For those of you who have a little more advanced taste and you are tech savvy, then there's other options that you can do. For me, I bought a mixer because I wanted to have sound on my mixer, which I realize just now as I say that I haven't really used much sound in season three. Interesting, but I haven't. I haven't used much of my sound. Well, maybe we should have an applause or something. I don't know. But anyway, I chose a mixer. I use the Zoom L8 mixer. You can YouTube that if you'd like as well and get the breakdown on how that mixer works. A lot of people also use Rode, which is a quality mixer as well. I actually love my Zoom L8. It is very lightweight. It looks like it's a lot to figure out. I had a friend in Nashville who was a podcast host already who used the Zoom L8. I drove up to Nashville. We talked for a day and I learned everything I needed to learn about that mixer in probably about four hours. So it was about a four hour investment to understand my mixer. I think my sound quality for the most part, unless I mess it up, is usually pretty good. There's a cord that I can use to connect my phone to my mixer and the quality is just as good as if the person and I were sitting in front of each other. And because I wanted that type of sound and that type of quality, I invested in the Zoom L8, okay? So you can look that up. As a matter of fact, all of my products are Zoom just because I think that Zoom makes great product. I started with Zoom. I like their products, so I'm sticking with it. But that doesn't mean that at some future point, I may not use other brands while I'm podcasting. I would personally recommend that starting out, you go basic. Even though I did not go basic, I was pretty sure that podcasting would be something that I would be interested in doing over time. I invested in the uh, more expensive equipment. But looking back now, I would suggest that if you are interested in starting a podcast, do it as inexpensively as possible first. And here's why. Because sometimes when we start something new, we're all gung ho about it until we get into it and understand how much work it takes to do a thing. And if you're really passionate about that thing, it won't really feel like work to you. But if you get into it and you're finding out that you're not very passionate about it and the work that you're putting into it is more work than you wanted to invest into this thing, you haven't really invested too much money, especially if you already have, like I said, you have a MacBook already. Then you just had to purchase a good quality microphone, which a good quality microphone is a $98, $120 microphone. They go way up more than that. Like they can get super expensive, but you can get a really good quality microphone for about $120. I think the microphone that I'm actually talking on right now is probably about a $120 microphone. And when you have more advanced equipment like the mixer that I have, you don't have to go and buy a $400 microphone because your mixer is going to make sure that your sound quality and output is great in itself because you can control the sound from your mixer. But if you're just starting out, I recommend that you go the most inexpensive way until you know that this is something that you really want to do. Until you know that for sure, just stick with the basic. And then once you are positive this is what you want to do, then you can always update your equipment at any time. 
Okay, so let's talk about how to monetize your podcast. In the beginning, I will tell you, your main concern should not be about how to monetize your podcast. And I say that very lightly because we all want to make money. Like we get, I get that. And you will make money with your podcast, but it may not happen and more than likely won't happen early on. What you need to focus on primarily in the beginning is your content. What are you talking about on your show? Is the content of quality? Is the content anything that people really want to listen to? Is the content telling the listener something new? Is the content answering a question that listeners may have? Is the content exposing them to something new that they've never been exposed to before or they've never heard about? Is the content funny and it's intended to make your audience and listeners laugh? But at the end of the day, your content needs to be quality. So before you start to focus on monetizing your podcast, Focus more on the beginning of making sure that you are giving your listeners quality content, because as you're giving quality content, you will be able to monetize your podcast and you'll be able to monetize your podcast because your podcast is producing the type of weekly numbers that advertisers will be drawn to. And they'll feel like that they'll have an opportunity to reach a larger audience because you have the numbers that reflect that. But if you begin this process worrying about your money, you will not be making any because you probably haven't focused on the content and what you're talking about. So first things first, focus on your content, get your content right. Once you've got it right, now let's talk about how to monetize. There are a few ways, and I'm going to say monetize and barter, because I have bartered a couple of things on my show, and this may not be an avenue that you decide to go down, but I'll just share with you a few things that I did that really worked out great for me on uh, this show. Okay, one of the first ways that you can monetize your podcast is by selling product that you like. Let's just say, for example, you've had your show for a while now and you have a really good listening audience of people who are coming back every week and listening to your episode. In a best case scenario, someone will seek you out to advertise on your podcast if they know that your podcast is doing great numbers and you have a lot of listeners on your show. That's a great way to make money. It will take you a while to reach that. Most people do not reach that in their first year or two of podcasting. You just won't because you're really building an audience. Podcasting is a slow monetary grind. So if you are in it for the money, you probably want to switch directions and do something completely different because the money will come. But first, it has to be that your content was good and people kept showing up and telling their friends and telling their friends and telling their friends. And now you have the numbers where companies want to advertise on your show. I recommend you use products that you like. It's a lot easier to get into the uh, advertising world and monetizing your podcast when it's a product that you like. For example, the microphone that I'm using is a Shure SM58. It's a legendary vocal microphone. So I may say somewhere in my episode, oh, by the way, if you love the way this sounds, I'm talking to you on a Shure SM58 legendary vocal microphone. If you'd like to have one of these for your podcast, click the link on my website and order yours today. And then Shure may give me a percentage of all of the sales that happen on my show. Okay, so that's one way to monetize your podcast. Another way to monetize your podcast is from your guest. So let's just say you have a guest on the show who's written a book. 
And you can also, just like with the microphone, say, if you'd like a copy of my guest's latest book, click this link on my website under this podcast episode and order your copy today. So then there's a kickback from each book that you've sold on your website to that particular guest. So you get a kickback from that and you'll get a check sent to you here or there based on the sales that your show created for that particular guest and their book. And another way that you can monetize your podcast is through merchandise sales. Now, when I initially started my podcast, as I said, I always, when I'm doing something, I'm always going to go big. I don't, I don't really know any other way. So, and that's really true. I'm not just saying that, like, I really don't know how to do things small. I mean, I can try, but I'm one of those type of people, if I'm going all out with something, I'm going to just go all out with it. So I'd already had t-shirts made and was selling t-shirts prior to my podcast launching even to certain people in uh, the Savannah area who knew that I was about to start a podcast. So my podcast actually began with monetization because I already had t-shirts on the website the day that I launched the show. And t-shirt sales have done extremely well. I introduced a coffee mug to my show in season two because I am an avid coffee drinker. I love coffee. I wanted for my guests to have a coffee mug with my logo on it. The coffee mug has done really well. So I have monetized and made back money that I have invested into my show because I started the show with merchandise and product. So merchandise and product is another way that you can monetize your show. You can also monetize your show, which has also worked well for me, is through sponsorship. People who listen to the show, they may not have a product to sell, but they like what your show is about. They like the content that they hear from your show. They feel like they've grown listening to your show. And right now I have two sponsors who cut me a check every month for this show. At this point, my podcast is fully funded. I'm not spending any of my personal money into my podcast anymore. Okay, so here's something that I did for my show that kind of worked for me because, again, I was focused on the content of my show and wanting to make sure that I had quality guests that you guys were going to want to listen to. So when I reached out to Dr. Patricia about being on my show, after she and I had some conversation, I mentioned to her that in return for her bringing her expertise to my show, that I would run ads on my show for her business as an executive coach. And that has worked extremely well. I added a new therapist to the show this year, Leslie Fye, who is my personal therapist, and I do the same for her. I also did it in season two with the guy who oversees my website, Brady, in season two, because I didn't have enough listeners in season one to go to him and ask him to uh, update and manage my website in, in exchange for advertising. In season two, I had enough listeners to do that. And so I went to Brady, I showed him my numbers and I'm like, hey, listen, in exchange for me paying you for things that I may need or want done to my website, how about I run advertisements on my show for your company and bring business to your company for those who are looking to build a website or trying to redo their website or update their website? And he thought it was a great idea. It generated crazy business for Brady. Uh, I have had so many people reach back out to me and tell me that Brady is the real deal and has created some beautiful uh, websites for them. So anything that I needed for my website was already taken care of. I wasn't spending additional monies on that. 
it's a great way to go if you have the numbers and the listeners to be able to present that to your guest in exchange for their expertise on your show. Because at the end of the day, I will say this probably more than one time, content is everything. Content would probably be the main thing and then sound quality would probably be number two. Work on those two things first and then your podcast will eventually monetize itself. I will eventually start venturing out into other things. I, I hope as my numbers continue to grow as they are, um, I will have advertisers reaching out to me and wanting to advertise on the show. That is a goal for me. I do have a couple that are on the show already. I'd like for there to be more. But what I've noticed in other podcasts that I listen to is when you have a lot of advertisements, it kind of gets annoying because you really came to listen to the show. Product sales are great, but you don't want to hear a whole five minute segment of just product sales. So there's an upside and a downside to monetizing your show through advertising. So right now I am happy with where I am as far as my sponsorship and my merchandise sales, um, bringing me money to the show. And I'm looking to add some new merchandise. I really just haven't focused on that lately. I have some ideas for some new things, but I'm in search of a new marketing company to help me iron out some ideas in my head about some things that I want to create uh, for my show to monetize on uh, my website. So if you're into that kind of thing, reach out to me, these three things podcast at gmail.com and let's connect so I can kind of share with you some things that I may have that you may be able to help me bring to fruition. So we talked about why would you podcast? I gave you those two reasons why. We talked about doing your research on podcasting and watching videos and uh, learning about the podcasting world. We talked about deciding what style of show are you going to have? Are you going to have a co-host? Are you going to do this thing solo? Are you going to uh, do interviews or will it just be conversation that you share with your listeners for them to hear like what this episode is now? We talked about what type of equipment you will need. Just the basic equipment is a quality microphone and a MacBook. Your editing system is already on your MacBook with GarageBand. You can start podcasting tonight if that's something that you're really interested in doing. And we also talked about a more advanced approach to podcasting. So for example, if you wanted to use a mixer like what I'm currently using and then purchasing an editing program like Audacity, and there's so many out there and YouTube will uh, tell you all of that information. So you could type in the search engine, quality editing programs for podcasting. A million things will come up. Find what works for you and is user friendly for you if you will be doing all of your editing. Then we talked about monetizing, how to monetize your show. I've given you a few things to chew on as far as how the monetizing process works. Podcasting is, again, a slow grind. So please do not enter into the game unless you're a celebrity already and you have name recognition and people know who you are and people gravitate to you and businesses already know that you're going to have a massive listenership. That type of person may enter into the game with advertising from the gate. Otherwise, like the rest of us, you got to work your show. You got to build your show. You got to build your brand and your listening audience. And then those things will come. Uh, I talked to you about merchandise sales and building your website and um, monetizing your show through your merchandise sales. That has worked very well for me. I will say that again. And I'm so glad that I started my show with merchandise. 
Now, the last thing that I want to talk about is editing. Editing is when you go back and you listen to your whole entire show and you edit out all your uh, ands, so, buts, uh, uh, times when you don't speak correctly or things that you want to take out of the show because you've just decided "Mm, it doesn't really have any bearing on making the show better or worse. It's not necessary. Editing takes time. I initially started out with a good friend of mine, Alex Varlin. What's up, A? Uh, editing my show and Alex was doing a great job of editing my show and because he and I know each other personally and we work together he did a great job of knowing how to edit my show but Alex has a very busy job and career and (laughs) it kept him down to the wire on getting my episodes to me and that was just like oh I I, you know because I, you know, I started off the podcast dropping episodes at noon. As you can see, that's changed now because I can't box myself into that window because when something comes up, I'm literally not going to bed at night trying to get an episode done at 12 noon. So now you'll just get an episode on Tuesday at whatever time I'm able to complete the entire process. Uh, I usually still try to get it out fairly early, but sometimes I don't depending on what's going on. Now I just make sure the episodes drop on Tuesday. Uh But I, too, wanted to be able to understand the editing process myself because in everything that I've always done, I want to know how the process works so that in the event that Alex was to get sick or something happened and he wasn't able to edit the episode, I didn't want to be caught without the ability to know how to do it myself. So I went to my good friend YouTube and learned how to edit my show myself. And now I just do it all. So it's really based on my time schedule, my time constraints, uh, when I allot time to sit and just specifically work on my podcast. Editing can take a while if you are a perfectionist. But what I will suggest if you choose to edit your own show is to let it be natural too. Don't over edit yourself. And I feel like early on, I may have done that. And still, sometimes I probably do. Don't over edit yourself. Let your conversation and what you speak about and the flow of the interview be natural. Sometimes an uh is necessary. Sometimes a so just sounds like it should be there or a but or an and or uh you know, you know, you know how we all do that a lot, you know. Sometimes a you know is necessary in that particular sentence. So don't get caught in over editing yourself and trying to be perfect because at the end of the day I find that when I'm listening to other podcasts I'm not marking down every mistake and every uh and every you know that I hear I don't even pay attention to that it's just conversation and I'm tuned in and I'm listening to it so that's my bit of advice to you as far as the editing piece is concerned why podcast have your reasons do your research Set up your structure for your show. Get the equipment that you need. Work on making your content great. Work on making your sound great. And you will monetize your podcast. Build up your listening audience and you will monetize your podcast. I hope this helps you. It's a lot of information here. And there's probably many things that I didn't remember to tell you that as soon as I upload this, I will forget that I should have told you. So in the event of that, and there's questions that I did not answer for you, please don't hesitate to reach out www 
these3-things.com is my website. These3thingspodcast at gmail.com is my email. These3thingspodcast is my Instagram. Hit me up in my DMs. These3thingspodcast is my Twitter. You can hit me up in my DMs in Twitter. These three things P is how you can reach me on Facebook. So get at me. I'm here to answer your questions. I'm here to help you. And I'm also available for you to hire me to show you the equipment and all of the information that you will need hands on to be able to build your podcast and get your podcast off the ground, including creating your uh, blueprint and your structure for your show, your equipment, teaching you how to edit, teaching you how to use your equipment. I'm here for all of that. So if you're interested in that, I am available for that as well. Again, just reach out to me on one of the platforms that I mentioned before. I hope this helps you. I hope I've answered your questions and I hope that you will start your podcast, Queens, Kings and good people. If your why makes sense to you. Thanks for listening. There will not be these three things at the end of this episode. So I'll see you next week for a new episode of these three things. Higher, higher we go. Don't stop, we're too close.